Welcome to the Amherst Wesleyan Church Sermon Podcast. For the month of September, we'll be learning from 1 Peter. And today we're going to dig into chapter 1. But before we get there, have you ever taken a road trip with kids? I have two brothers and two sisters. I was the youngest and always the smallest in our family. And so when we piled into the car to go somewhere, anywhere, I usually ended up being squished between people in the back seat or tucked into that corner all around the luggage. And I quickly learned that asking, are we there yet, was not really a good decision especially if I asked too many times. My parents were not going to listen to that over and over again. Sometimes I tried to entertain myself, but often my choices were not good and I ended up creating more disruption. I would get frustrated with being squished and not being able to see outside and I would wiggle and poke others. I was frustrated, tired, impatient, just wanted to be there. And we all have our own stories like this, don't we? Maybe it's your kids or someone else's, or maybe even adults who keep asking, are we there yet? I'm one of those adults, unfortunately. When we drive to Ontario, we break it up into two days. But even still, before we get to our destination, I find myself saying, are we there yet? Much to the chagrin of anybody in the car. Sorry, Dwayne. And... I repeat it over and over in my head as well before I even say it out loud. But do you find yourself asking the same thing with life? Are we there yet? Maybe you've been working on your marriage, raising teenagers, treating mental illness, fighting temptations, facing other illness and disease, dealing with the messes and drama of other people or attacked for your faith, or for just refusing to do what is evil, what is wrong. We get tired, frustrated, and it can feel overwhelming and sometimes even hopeless. We start thinking, why is this taking so long? Why isn't it over? Why is it still happening? This should be fixed by now. I should just be past this. But we aren't. And we begin to wonder if we will ever get there. The author of 1 Peter is the same guy that we spent a lot of time learning from this summer. Peter, the guy who followed Jesus and did some things right and other things not so well. But we learn from his life and how we should follow Jesus. And it was this Peter who was originally called Simon and then renamed by Jesus, Cephas, or Peter, meaning rock. And he said, on this rock, I will build my church. And that's exactly what happened because after Jesus died and rose again, Peter went into many different places telling the good news of Jesus And he wrote this letter to Jesus' followers living in the Roman province of Asia Minor, now Turkey. They too were struggling with, are we there yet? 
and Peter writes them a letter to explain that our life in Christ is both already and not yet. Let's start by reading 1 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Peter is telling them, I get it. It is hard living in the already and not yet. We already have Jesus, but we are living here with all of this stuff. We have hope for the future, but it hasn't happened yet. It's still coming. Our life is in Christ is both already and not yet. Peter says that one not yet is that we have pain and suffering. He says this in verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, for now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. He's saying, I see it. I see it. I know this happens, guys. But as believers, we already have grace and peace and abundance. He says that in verse 2. And in verse 8, he says we have an inexpressible and glorious joy. So while we're in this not yet of suffering, we already have this incredible gift of grace, peace, and joy. Peter continues and tells us that Jesus was already and not yet. Read verse 20 with me. For he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. He's saying before time even began for us, God saw what was going to happen. And Jesus said, I will. I will be the one that redeems. I will be the one that steps in their place. He was not yet. But the already is, is that he, he, he was born. He lived. He died and he rose again. The second not yet about Jesus is seen in the life of the prophets. Verses 10 and 11. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. The prophets had to live their whole life in the not yet. They never got to see Jesus. They knew clearly what God had spoken to them and what they had to tell others. Specific details about his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. All of it came true. And yet they lived their entire lives in the not yet They were letting everyone know that God had a plan, 
a specific plan to save the world, to redeem it. The already is that Jesus was born, right? He lived, he died, he fulfilled all these prophecies, and he lives again so that we can live. That's the glory of it. Our life is both already and not yet in Christ. Peter shows us that we are not complete or perfect. We have some faulty thinking and behaviors. Verse 14 says, As obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Peter isn't saying here that God hasn't cleaned us up. He's not contradicting John when John says, when we confess our sins, that God cleans us, makes us righteous. But it doesn't mean that we immediately become perfect. Our life in Christ is both already and not yet. God has worked for a long time doing things now to complete them later. He did it with Jesus. He did it with the prophets. He is doing it in our salvation. He is doing it right now in the struggles that we face today. When they make a new road, they don't just remove the trees and come and pour the asphalt. They take weeks, months, sometimes years to grade the site. They remove dirt. They bring in gravel, different grades of gravel, some large, some small, and they compact it and they level it and add more and compact it again. It takes a long time before they can pour the asphalt and it's complete. When we plant a garden, we don't look and go, oh, that looks like a nice 12 foot square patch of land. I think I'll plant corn there and go out and dig a little hole in amongst the grass and the weeds and put the seed in, do we? No. We take that land, we dig out the weeds, we dig out the grass, we loosen it up, we add fertilizer or manure or compost compost to, to make it better, richer, and then we add our seeds and we water it and we wait. In the same way, God works a long time to complete them later. The already is started in these examples, but it's not yet done. Don't have the road or the veggies yet. God has put us on the path, the road. He has put in us the imperishable seed. Although we are not yet there yet, parts of our marriages are better. Our teens can grow when we give them examples and we teach them so they don't forget. We see progress in our mental health. We see that we're not alone in facing illness and disease, and we often make the right choice when temptations happen. 
And we can have grace in dealing with the messes and the drama of other people. And we find that we can have endurance to stand for our faith and and keeping to refuse to do evil. Our life in Christ is both already and not yet. And Peter Peter really digs into this and says, "Okay, so so how do we how do we work out this not yet part?" Verse 13 he says, "Therefore prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you." When Jesus Christ is revealed. Peter is not talking about the grace of initial salvation here. He's talking to believers, Jesus followers. Peter is saying that your hope rests in the grace of God that will change you. Focus on that truth because it is powerful. Our God is powerful. And our God can and will perfect your heart, perfect your mind, perfect your bodies, perfect our relationships, perfect our love. But we have to embrace our already, that we are saved by imperishable seed. Verse 23, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. We have that imperishable seed in us, but we have to choose to be alert. Our minds must be alert. We can't go through life going la-da-da-da-da-da-da. No, we have to be intentional. We have to be self-controlled. Ooh, that's a word we don't like. We just like to do the easy thing, don't we? But that's what gets us into trouble. And when we have that imperishable seed, and an alert mind, and we're self-controlled, God then extends this grace to us. This incredible grace. So that we can have this hope. That we can and will be like Jesus. That we can reject evil. Obey the truth. Reject old desires and ways of doing things that we can love one another. We can keep going and have incredible endurance. We're not there yet. But don't get frustrated. Remember, our life in Christ is both already and not yet. Thanks for listening and being part of our church and joining us in this journey to become down-to-earth people following Jesus in down-to-earth ways.